So for the past 22 years, every Thursday, I have been in this building. 22 years, I don't know anything else, but Thursday night, excel in this church. And that 22-year streak uh, came to an end this week as we welcomed in our new youth pastors into our church. So today, I want to take a moment to introduce to you our new youth pastors. Pastor Izzy and Ariel, why don't you guys come up? Come all the way up here. Let them see you. Uh, this precious couple have been friends of ours for many years now. And uh, we've served together on a number of different camps. Uh, and we instantly had a bond. I remember even in our first camp, uh, looking out, he's originally from Chicago. And so we reps it hard. And I remember we're in the middle of, you know, 1,300 teenagers thinking most wouldn't even believe he and I were going to be saved at this point, And now we're leading an entire generation. And it was just a great connection that we had right off the bat. But he was serving him and his wife both at a phenomenal church in Missouri, one of the largest churches in our fellowship, both dynamic worship leaders, you know, on every poster, on every calendar. I don't know if it was a diversity thing, but Ariel was on it too, so I know it wasn't just that. And, uh, and so one day we get a call, and um, I was, we were getting ready to hang out with some of the teenagers, and they said, hey, listen, we don't know when, we don't know how, but if there's ever an opportunity to come and serve under you, would you consider us? And I like had to hold back. I was like, you want to work with us? <laughs> Like, you, you got the stage, you, got, you want to work with us? But I kept my clothes like, yeah, I think we can figure that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if there's ever an opportunity. And we didn't realize that just a few short years later, God would supernaturally orchestrate, not just on our end, but on their end, an opportunity for everything to come together. And you'll hear more of their story over the years and hopefully many years, and you'll be able to talk to them and get to know them. And we're going to set up something in the future for the parents to get to know them. We didn't want to do that like this week because they don't even have a house yet. They moved here just because God told them to come and they're working it out. They're figuring it out. We're praying for God to provide that home. They're under contract, but there's a lot of just stuff happening there. But I love his heart. He said, God didn't tell us when to come. He told us to come. And so we came and we'll figure out the house later and we'll figure out all the other details later. So we're grateful because they've already hit the ground running. They've already been all over it. And guys, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart to everybody else, how incredibly grateful I am that you would come and serve with us, that you would come and be a part of what we're doing and what we're trying to do in this church and through this church. And I know God will use you mightily in every aspect of that. So I'm going to ask our elders, our deacons, pastors, would you join me up here? I want to just pray for you guys. Why don't you just step right in there? And I want our deacons and elders and leaders uh, would you just come on over, pastors? Come on over. I want you to lay hands on this precious couple. Not only did they move without a house, uh, but they moved while Ariel is in her third trimester with her first baby. And so July, they're going to be having their first child. Yeah. You want to talk about faith? <laughs> like, she's like, yeah, I'll just have my baby in a city I've never lived, in a place I don't know with people I don't have a relationship with. But listen, when God calls you, there's only one answer, right? And so we're going to pray a special blessing over them, in particular over Ariel, not just for her baby's birth, but because it's her birthday today. So it's all in it. It is all together. So uh, Brother Gary, why don't you pray for him? Church, why don't you stretch out your hands? Let's intercede as we just pray a blessing over this precious couple.
Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity we have just to come before you and present Pastor Izzy and Ariel for Father. I thank you for their lives, that they are just answering the call to be with you today, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you have led them here. And Lord, it's been a, it's been a journey, and it's been, a, it's been some trials along the way. But Lord, we just thank you for your provision yes, and for your providence, Lord Jesus, in their life, Lord yes, Jesus. Lord. I pray that they would have many, many years of ministry, Lord Jesus, that you would be fulfilling them as a couple, Lord Jesus. You would be fulfilling them as a family. Lord, that you would just continue to be with them and guide and direct them. Lord, let your Holy Spirit lead them into, into the areas that they need to go, Lord Jesus. Help them to uh, propel our youth, Father, to, to new levels, Lord Jesus, to raise them up to be the next leaders, Lord Jesus, of the church, Lord Jesus. We just praise you and we glorify you, Lord. We thank you that they have continued to uh, just follow you during this time, Lord Jesus. I just pray for this baby that is inside, Lord Jesus. I just pray that you continue to let there be uh, strength, Lord Jesus. Let there be a protection upon that baby, Lord Jesus. And let, the, let everything just be perfect in the delivery, Lord Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for them. You provide for all of their needs, both physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, Lord Jesus. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. 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 We're so grateful for them. And like I said, you'll, you'll hear much more about them as time goes on. Uh, fun, fun fact, Pastor Izzy's not just wearing camo for nothing. He is currently in the Army National Guard and very proud of that. And so he serves faithfully. So when I say he serves, he serves. You know, so we're just, we're grateful for that. Um, I'm excited today because we are starting a new series uh, today that I have titled Unsung Hero. An unsung hero is someone who does a mighty work but often doesn't get credit. Someone who's consistent, who's always there, who is integral to the function of whatever it is they are a part of, and yet oftentimes is forgotten or not recognized at all. Now, in life, we have plenty of unsung heroes. Moms are one of the greatest unsung heroes. We just celebrated Mother's Day. Uh, we, we have people on staff. Like for me, immediately, I think of somebody like Pastor Tom, who doesn't preach often. But because of that, a lot of people may not even know he's a pastor. Where are you at, PT? Are you still in the building? PT's in the back, working the audio. But here's, here's why he's an unsung hero. He does things that we don't know he does. It's just done. You know what I mean? So it's like, hey, who's supposed to do that? I don't know. Pastor Tom does that. It's like, oh. All right, so as I got into staff, I'm, I'm quickly figuring out, he got job security, y'all, because he's the only one that knows how to do things. And so I'm like, oh, smart move, PT. I like your style on that. Uh, but again, because he's not often on the platform, he maybe doesn't always get the credit. Now, this series is not about unsung heroes as far as people, but it's specifically about an unsung hero that we find in the Bible that over and over again throughout the entirety, from the very beginning of God's word through the end, this person is there, represented, powerful, moving. But again, we often don't give him the credit I believe he deserves. And I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. 
I think a lot of times we don't fully grasp or understand who the Holy Spirit really is. We love God the Father, you know, the, the fear of God, the creator, the almighty, the one who spoke the world into existence. We obviously love Jesus, our savior, our redeemer, the one who died on the cross and rose again for our sins to make us reunited with God. But we often forget about the third person of the, Holy, or of the Trinity, which is Holy Spirit. And the truth is, we don't have God present here in the sense of God the Father because as you look in the Old Testament, his presence alone will knock you off your feet and kill you. You know, even when he, when he told Moses, all right, I'll let you see my presence. I'm gonna hide you in the cleft of the rock and you can only look at my back. <laughs> That's as much as we can bear. So it's not like God the Father specifically is here. And Jesus, we know, resurrected, is alive, ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. So physically, Jesus isn't here. Who we have is the Holy Spirit, right? When you're, when you're getting that sense, I should do this or I shouldn't do that, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. When we invite the presence of God in this room, we are inviting the Holy Spirit. But I think oftentimes the reason we forget about the Holy Spirit might be because we don't fully understand who the Holy Spirit is. And so throughout this uh, next four or five weeks, I wanna spend time both on Sunday and on Wednesday. And I'm just gonna tell you right off the bat, Wednesday I plan to go a little deeper because I find that on Wednesday we have our more mature people. And so if you're wondering like, man, I wanna go deep into this, come on Wednesday night, because that's where we're really gonna go after some things that uh, might be a little rough for some people on Sunday. And so you'll, you'll get some sound teaching on Sunday, but if you wanna go all out, I've been telling you, come on Wednesday night. Uh, I've titled this morning's message, The Five W's. Whenever a journalist or in any kind of investigation is trying to figure something out, they oftentimes will look to the five W's. Who, what, when, where, why. Sometimes how, but we're not doing that right now. That's for a later sermon. Who, what, when, where, why. And so I wanna look at that, and if you have your Bible, I want us to look at John chapter 14, verse 15 through 18, because I think this helps us really encapsulate the who, what, when, where, why of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because he isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. So this is Jesus speaking at the end of his time with his disciples. He's getting ready to ascend. And naturally he can sense that they're a little bit worried. The disciples are thinking, man, we've been with you for three years. You've been our leader. You've been everything to us. And now we're supposed to go at this alone. You're abandoning us. You're leaving us. And so he can see that anxiety and that trepidation. And so he wants to assure them. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not leaving you because I'm sending you another advocate. He's called the Holy Spirit. And in later scriptures, Jesus even goes on to say something as bold as, hey, listen, and you will be able to do even greater things than I did. Right? Through the Holy Spirit, not through our own strength and not through our own goodness. And so the five W's I want to walk through very quickly. Let's start with number one, the who. Who is the Holy Spirit? And I think the answer to that question is actually found in the question, who is the Holy Spirit, not what is the Holy Spirit? 
The Holy Spirit is a person. It is not the force in Star Wars. It's not vibes. It's not manifestation. It's not tingly feels you get in goosebumps. No, that's just the guitar player hitting the right chord, okay? The Holy Spirit is a person. It is an equal part of the Godhead or the Trinity as we have come to describe it within the church world. You won't find the word Trinity in scripture. It's a word we use to describe what scripture makes evident. Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't have time in this message to really break down and encapsulate the whole aspect and theology of Trinity, but I'm sure at some point we will get to that. What's important to understand is who Jesus is or who the Holy Spirit is. And I love that when Jesus is describing him, he says, I will send another advocate. Well, who was the first advocate? Jesus. Jesus came and he advocated on my behalf and on yours. The Holy Spirit is equal to Jesus and to God the Father, right? It's an equal part. They are all God and yet they are all separate persons, three in one. This is what we describe. Now, again, for children's ministry, oftentimes, and even in youth ministry, we use small illustrations to try to encapsulate what Trinity is. There is no illustration that can fully help you grasp the complexities of the Trinity because God is God. And so God exists outside of time, space, and matter. So how can we describe him with things that are in time, space, and matter, right? And so again, I don't want you to get too caught up in this, you'll get nosebleeds and your brain will blow up. It's just, some things we're just like, hey God, if you said it, I believe it. All right, no problem, okay? But I need you to understand that as much as we honor, revere, respect, love God the Father and Jesus, the Holy Spirit deserves that same level of honor, love, and respect. He's our advocate. Well, what's an advocate? An advocate is someone who speaks up on your behalf. It's someone who looks out for you. It's someone who defends you. It's someone who leads you. It's someone who has your best interest in mind. My wife and I, uh, she was trying to get a doctor's appointment. Oh my gosh, to get a doctor's appointment nowadays, it can be months. And so her doctor, who she really loves, it was a few months out, but then she was starting to have some pain, some complications, and I was getting frustrated, so I got on the phone. I had my business voice on, right? I had that, let me talk to your manager sound. And so I was like, hey, can you help me? No, oh, cool. Get me someone who can help me. And so I kept going up to the chain until I found the person who can help me, and all of a sudden, an appointment opened up, right? Why? Because I advocate for my wife. Because I said, hey, no, no, this is unacceptable. I need to jump in on your behalf and help you. Well, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. Listen, John chapter 15, verse 26. Again, Jesus speaking. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify about me. Advocate. I love this idea of an advocate, right? Because uh, if you look at the role of God and the Holy Spirit, you kind of see this all working together. And oftentimes an advocate is a term that we could even use for lawyers, right? A lawyer is there to defend you in court. If you're arrested, please call a lawyer. <laughs> even if you think you're innocent, call a lawyer. Why? Because lawyers are trained to deal in those exact circumstances. I don't care how many episodes of Law & Order you watch, you are not a lawyer. Unless you are, then give us your number and we'll figure it out. 
okay? And so what do you do? I need an advocate. I need someone who understands what's going on, who can defend me, who can fight a man against for me. Because on the other side, there's an accuser. There's a lawyer who's saying, you did it. You're guilty. It's you. And I'm going to try to convict you. And I'm going to try to convince everyone that you're guilty. So on the other side, there's a professional who's coming at me. I need a professional coming at him. So how does that work with us? Well, the Bible tells us that the devil is the accuser that he constantly points fingers at you. And so we got the Holy Spirit saying, no, no, no. don't talk to him, talk to me. <laughs> don't come at him, come at me. I'm his advocate. Who are you? I'm the lawyer. I'm his advocate. And I love that John chapter 14 shows us the Trinity at work. That it's God the Father who sends that advocate, the Holy Spirit, at the request of his son, Jesus Christ. They are all working together because they are all equal parts. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. Number two, what? What is the role of the Holy Spirit? Again, to be your advocate, to be your lawyer, to be your defender. Listen, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser, the devil, of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. You know, we talk about how Jesus is constantly sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding, but scripture tells us that the accuser is also standing there accusing us. I think we struggle with that sometimes in the battlefield of the mind. And a lot of times we've allowed the voice of the accuser to prevent us from being everything God called us to be. Because it's the accuser who points fingers at you. It's the accuser who says, well, you're still an addict. Or you're the one who's done this and that and no one's really forgiven you. No one's forgotten what you did. You ever have those situations where maybe you're embarrassed or you feel insecure? You walk in a room and you feel like everyone's looking at you and everyone's thinking this. And let's be honest, ain't nobody looking at you. Ain't nobody thinking about you. But there's this feeling, oftentimes I believe it's the enemy who's pointing fingers, who's trying to prevent you from doing what God called you to do. Maybe for a long time you've walked away from church and you mustered up the challenge to say, you know what, I need God, I need to get back in church. And the second you step into church, the accuser's like, hey, everybody remembers what you did. Oh, you know, everybody here knows what happened. Yeah, they're not going to love you anymore. They're, 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 they're thinking, they say that, but they're, they're really thinking this and they're really thinking that. And if you let the accuser get in your ear, you don't last. That's why we have an advocate. Because notice what the advocate does in John 14. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and listen, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, as the accuser is accusing, don't, be, don't worry because I said the advocate and part of his role is to remind you everything I've said to tell you. So listen, when you're reading scripture and you're studying scripture and there's this moment where you're out and about and the accuser shows up and starts pointing finger, it's the Holy Spirit that brings to mind that verse that says, hey, no, 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 I will never leave you or forsake you. Don't let him say that to you because here's what the scripture says. No, 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 you're twisting now. Here's what the scripture says. Again, it's like a lawyer. When you try to throw some stuff out, the lawyer knows the law. The lawyer pulls out the law and says, no, no, here's what the law says. Here's what you're trying to accuse him of, and you can't because this is what the law says. The Holy Spirit will bring up scripture in your heart, will remind you supernaturally and say, no, 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 this is what God says about you, not what the accuser says about you. 
I don't know about y'all, but listen, I need the Holy Spirit to be a constant reminder because sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. It's not even the accuser, it's me. I'm the one looking in the mirror disgusted. I'm the one thinking about the things I've done, upset. I'm the one feeling like I'll never make it and I'll never do it. But yet the Holy Spirit comes out and says, no, 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 it's not about you, Pastor Joey. It's about the one in you. I will do it through you. I will make you up. I will set you on. It's about me. It's not even been about you. So just be willing. It's like I told Pastor Izzy and Ariel. I said, listen, I expect you to be faithful. And if you are faithful and obedient, then the results are going to be up to God. And we'll accept whatever those results are. As long as you can look me in the eye and say, I was faithful and I did what God told me to do. Why? Because results are God's department. Faithfulness is ours. And it's the Holy Spirit that'll sit in your corner, right? I liken it almost to a boxing match. Boxers are trained with all the people screaming and yelling and jeering. They're trying to hear just one voice, the corner man. And they're trying to zone everybody out to hear the instructions of their corner man. Because the one in their corner is the one who really has their back. That's the Holy Spirit. So we know who he is and we know what is the function of the Holy Spirit. But when do we receive that Holy Spirit? Like, when does that come into fruition for us? Well, there's two aspects to receiving the Holy Spirit. The first one is upon salvation. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's a stamp of approval, right? So I've just done a couple of weddings. I got another wedding next month. When people are getting married, they fill out a marriage certificate. And I sit down and I fill out all the information and I sign off on it. But it is not a legal document until it is stamped and sealed. The moment it is stamped and sealed, and y'all know we got to pay like 60 bucks for that little stamp and seal. But the moment it is stamped and sealed is the moment that it becomes official. Is the moment that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Listen, Ephesians chapter one, verse 13 says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Listen, that's why you can make a decision in church and it not be official. It might be emotional. It might be, well, I just don't want to go to hell, so I'm just going to do this little thing and repeat what the guy says so that I can make sure I go to heaven. But, it, but here the scripture is true. It's not just when you hear it, but when you believe it, when you accept the realities of the gospel, then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That promise comes. And so when God looks at you, he doesn't just look at your past, your pain, your hurt. He looks at the seal on you. And he looks and says, approved. Not because you're good enough, because none of us are. Not because we've earned it and not because we've been a Christian for such and such time or we go to this church or we've been to that church. None of that is an official aspect, right? Like I can't show up to, to Cook County with the McDonald's certificate and be like, listen, they gave me this on my birthday. This is my birth certificate. Ronald McDonald himself signed this. They're like, sir, that's, that's not official. I'm sorry. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. It was the good McDonald's, not the hood one. This is, we went all the way out there just to get this birth certificate, right? You understand that just because it's on paper, just because I signed it, just because I really, really like it, without that seal, it's not official. Some of us, were walking around with copies, not the real deal, not the seal. Copies meaning, well, I do all the things, right? Like I come to church and I stand up and I sit down and I do all this stuff. Yeah, but you don't believe. You don't live. You don't act. I don't see the stamp of the Holy Spirit on you. Not that it's up to me because I'm not the one who verifies. That's God. You can fool me. 
But the stamp of the Holy Spirit is what God sees on you. So when you accept Jesus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. But the Bible also tells us in the book of Acts that there is a separate experience with the Holy Spirit that we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is derived from when Jesus was baptized and he says, you baptize with water, but soon you will be baptized with fire. And what he was talking about is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Going back to our original scripture, he says that he lives with you and soon he will live in you. The two separate aspects of the Holy Spirit is the seal, but then the indwelling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which in scripture shows us is a separate experience after conversion, after the acceptance of salvation, where you are empowered with the Holy Spirit in order to do the work that God has called you to do. In Acts chapter 19, verse one through six, says when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found the disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, salvation. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. And we're going to not spend all day on the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there will be a separate sermon specifically on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because in my experience, when I first came to this church, I thought y'all were crazy. I grew up Baptist. So this freaked me out, y'all. There's kids raising their hands. I'm like, is this kid trying to take off? Like, this freaks me out a little bit. And so it was concerning to me. And a lot of times when we think of Pentecostal, when we think of baptism of the Holy Spirit, we tend to go to the extreme and things that we see on TikTok or on TV and, and just like caricatures of it and people wrangling snakes and running up and down aisles and swan diving into the baptismal tank. And here's what I've tried to tell people. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. And people do weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that every believer, in my opinion, should seek. Because if we want to be effective in the work that God has given us, we need the Holy Spirit in order to do that work. And if Jesus is offering a free gift, listen, I don't care what the gift is. If Jesus is offering ornaments, get me in line, I want an ornament. It came from Jesus, bro. Jesus offering little, little spinning tops. I want a spinning top. I bet you that top never stops spinning. I want that thing. Why? Because I don't care what it is. It's coming from Jesus. So when Jesus says, hey, I'm going to ask the Father to send you the promise, the Holy Spirit, why would I not want that? So even as a young man, again, growing up Baptist, I can't knock them too much because they taught me how to read the Bible. And so instead of being afraid, instead of saying, oh, this is too weird, I don't fully understand it, I took time to understand it. I took time to read the scriptures. And the more I read the scripture, the more I saw evidence of what God is speaking about, and more I understood who the Holy Spirit is, the more I wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And again, we'll get to that in a little bit. We just, this is lesson one, this is 101. We can't go that far deep. Wednesday night though, ooh. I'm just saying, I'm just, little plugs for Wednesday. Y'all wanna come on Wednesday. Fourth question is this. So we know who the Holy Spirit is. We know uh, when we come and have an encounter with him, we know what the role of the Holy Spirit is. But the question is, where is the Holy Spirit? Right? Again, I, I mentioned we know where God the Father is, right? We know that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father in his throne 
in the heavenly realms. So there's where those two guys are at. Where's the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible tells us that he lives with you and later in you. Well, let me just, again, say a few things because I was talking to some of the pastors about this. I don't know where we got this theology from, and I know a lot of times we try to, uh, I don't want to say dumb things down, but for lack of a better term, dumb things down for children to help them comprehend some stuff. But have you ever heard the question, do you have Jesus in your heart? Anybody ever heard that question? Right? Have you accepted Jesus in your heart? And as I got older, I'm like, how could Jesus be in my heart? That's a, a physical impossibility. He's a man. He's got a beard. Like, he doesn't fit in my heart. Like, he, Jesus Christ in himself is not omnipresent. He is in one, like, he wasn't in Galilee and Japan at the same time. He is God, but in the flesh. And so Jesus isn't what's in my heart. What's in me is the Holy Spirit. Who I have, the indwelling, what is inside of me, what lives within me, that anointing, that feeling, that, that power, that's the Holy Spirit. Listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Right? It's the Holy Spirit's house. Who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Now, we, we, can get, we can go into a lot of things here. I'll just tell you all a little secret. Like, all throughout the years of youth ministry, especially during the summertime, when, when a lot of times male and female, the clothes start to get a little smaller. And I get it. It's shopping is hard. I understand that. But there is a reason Pastor Joey kept the sanctuary at a cool 63 degrees. You can come wearing that. You ain't going to want to wear it long. You want to put some joggers and a hoodie on at some point. Um, but listen, here's the, here's the reality of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit in you, it's the Holy Spirit's role to bring conviction to you. So I can tell a young lady or a young man, hey, you shouldn't wear that. But that maybe ain't going to land the same way as the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I want you to honor me with your body. Hey, I want you to honor me with who you are. Now listen, I... I I always feel bad. We clap like, yeah, teenagers. <laughs> but we ain't exempt because it's the Holy Spirit in you. So when, when you snap off on your spouse, it's the Holy Spirit. It's like, you shouldn't have done that. And then you're like, shut up, Holy Spirit. <laughs> right? It's that conviction. And again, we can silence the voice of the Holy Spirit. We can minimize the voice of the Holy Spirit. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to freely live within you, to be the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's very hard to ignore that voice because it's that voice that brings conviction. Now, conviction and condemnation are different. Again, the hardest part of writing this sermon is I can write 500 million sermons off of all this stuff. But it's the Holy Spirit because it's in you. And as the more it's in you, the more it comes out of you. The more you feel conviction of sin, the more as you grow and as you understand who the Holy Spirit is and the role of the Holy Spirit. I believe that's why oftentimes we struggle so much with the things we struggle with because we've silenced the voice of the Holy Spirit, because we've seared our conscience so that we can no longer hear the Holy Spirit speaking. It's not like God stopped speaking. It's just you kept ignoring him, right? We, we treat God like an alarm clock. Like you said it. You wanted to wake up at that time. Don't throw your phone across the room just because it did its job. And in the same way, we ask the Holy Spirit, oh, Holy Spirit, make me holy. All right, I'm gonna start convicting you on this, this, and this. Holy Spirit, shut up, please. I wanna do what I wanna do. I wanna be who I wanna be. Then you don't wanna be what I called you to be. 
right? And it's the Holy Spirit that does that work. And so here's where, as believers, you and I need to be careful because we try to, to be little ventriloquists speaking on behalf of the Holy Spirit. We're just dummies, all right? We're, we can't bring conviction on someone as much as we want to. And so we pray, we intercede, we give a word whenever it's God who asks us to give that word. But sometimes you're giving unsolicited advice. And sometimes you're making things more difficult for people. And so we pray and we trust God. And that's why as the more we lead, like throughout the years, whenever I had somebody who struggles with a particular sin, I just speak truth and I pray. And as they grow in the relationship with God and as the Holy Spirit gets a hold of their lives, the Holy Spirit starts to bring conviction in that particular sin. And then all of a sudden you start to see that transformation. Not because Pastor Joey's a good preacher or the leaders are good leaders or the church has great music, but because the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you continues its work through you. You want freedom in your life? You want freedom from sin, freedom from uh, condemnation? You want freedom from the things that have haunted you? You want the Holy Spirit. That's the professional. That's the one. That's the advocate that's going to jump in there and say, I got you. Because this is what I do. This is who I am. Worship team, if you can help me out. Who, what, when, where, but why? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? God already created me. Jesus already redeemed me. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? Well, if you haven't been paying attention, there were several reasons I've already given. I remember one time I was in the UK uh, teaching a class at the AG uh, University out there. And we were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, British people, they can be kind of reserved, kind of funny. And a lot of them weren't Assembly of God or, or Pentecostal background. And I remember I'm in the back and I felt this deep, deep conviction. And I remember just weeping, weeping as I was praying And I remember saying, God, how on earth can they expect to do your work without you? And I was was so convicted. I was like, what what arrogance do we have to think that we can do and be everything God called us to do and be without God? Think about this. There is no greater trained force on the planet. No one with better theology no one with, who was more equipped, no one who was better prepared than the original disciples. Nobody. They were hand-taught everyday living with Jesus Christ himself. No one on this planet, I don't care how many degrees you have, I don't care how many things you've read, these guys literally wrote the book. So there's no one better equipped to do God's work than them. And yet Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't go and do this stuff that I've called you to do until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, let's look at yesterday alone. Yesterday, an 18-year-old man drove three hours to a grocery store in a black neighborhood of Buffalo and opened fire on a crowd of innocent people, killing 10, injuring three. He wrote a 100-page manifesto. And he wrote the N-word on his rifle as he went out to hunt people down. It took two years for this young man to be flipped into that kind of mentality. Yesterday, a 16-year-old boy was shot near the bean as teenagers throughout our city continue to have these massive meetups that really have only resulted in property damage, violence, gunshots. 
and really fear. In the last week, we've had three mass shootings alone in this city. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because your government can't do it. I don't care what side of the party line you're at. They both had shots. Nobody figured it out. Oh, if this was in power, if that was in power. No, no, no. The only power I want is the Holy Spirit. All right? That's who I need. And church, we can't complain about this. Here's, here's again, I, I'm going to give you my heart because I'm Chicago through and through. If you see that on the news and your first instinct is, we got to move, you shouldn't have been here anyway. I don't want to leave. Listen, I don't care what you think about the stuff in Ukraine politically because we don't have time for all that. But all I know is if my country's getting invaded, me and Izzy going out there. I'm going right behind Izzy though. He trained. <laughs> but Pastor Izzy, you can lead the way. Hoo ah, let's do it. <laughs> Why? This, this is my. This is mine. I'm not going to give it over. And in the same way, this is our city. This is why God planted us here. This is why we are Belmont Assembly of God because we're on Belmont. Like, this is us. So what? We want to move? We want to leave? No. Because God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And again, hear me. I'm not saying be foolish. I'm not saying when you, when you see the next crowd of meetup go out there and start, you know, trying to lay hands on people and punch them in the face. Like, it just, I'm saying move as the Spirit leads you. But that doesn't mean to move away. That means to move in. That means to do work. John chapter 16, verse 7 through 8. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, Jesus speaking. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, listen, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. When he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. We need the Holy Spirit if we're going to be effective in anything we do. That's why as I was praying, I was thinking, God, what do you want me to, to speak on? What do you want me to lead in? God said, we need the Holy Spirit. We're a Pentecostal movement. We're part of the Assemblies of God. We believe in the power and the movement of the Holy Spirit. But do we know who the Holy Spirit is? Are we active and pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Are we producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, we need you. Because there's work out there to do. And again, I say, oh, Pastor is an Ariel, Ariel is sweet. And she's like, again, she will give you a toothache as how sweet that young lady is. But you can tell, she would ask certain questions. Is this neighborhood this? Is that neighborhood that? Can we do this? Can we do that? So you can tell there was a little nervousness, but not once did I see her hesitate. That's where God called us. Even though she grew up in nice little old Youngstown, Ohio, God called me here with my new baby to unleash Dottie on this city and to do the work God called us to do. So church, I'm gonna ask you to stand as we close. In a moment, I want us to pray for a hunger for God's presence. I want us to pray for a desperation to seek the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means you begin to read scripture like I did. That means you begin to do your research. That means you begin to study. That means you be like, I can preach all this stuff and that's great, but there has to be a pursuit on your end 
But before I do, I'm gonna ask you for a moment, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Because there was a clear process. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the receiving of the Holy Spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit only came after you believed in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That you were once a sinner, but Jesus Christ came to this earth, died a sinner's death, and was resurrected three days later to set you free from your past pain, sin, and guilt and make you new in Jesus. So before we do anything, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you that opportunity to say, yes, pastor, I believe. So if you're in this place and you have never given your heart to Jesus, or if you're just being honest with yourself, I did a while ago, but I haven't been living like it. I've strayed away, I've walked away from that path, and I need Jesus in my life again. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be everything God called me to be. With every head bowed, every eye closed, it's between you and the Lord. Would you just lift up your hand and I'll include you in that prayer? Thank you. Thank you, young man. Anyone else? Thank you. I see you guys. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Anyone else? Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Thank you, bro. I see you. Hey, church, let's pray together, man. We, this is the most powerful moment you could ever have. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus I, believe. I believe. I believe in the gospel message. I in the gospel message. And I ask you, God, ask you. forgive me of my sin. Me of my sin. Make me fresh. Make me, fresh. Make me new. Make me Seal me with your Holy Spirit. And help me, Lord, to live the life fresh and new the way you called me to be. I promise, Lord, to never turn back and to go always go after you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. Heavenly Father, even now, Lord, I thank you for those hands. God, I thank you for every individual who in this moment has committed or recommitted their life to you, God. And Lord, I thank you that they have been now sealed with the Holy Spirit, as many of us in this room have been sealed with your Spirit. But Lord, we need your Holy Spirit all around us, God. We need this house to be full of your Holy Spirit, God. We need your worship to be anointed by your Holy Spirit. We need the Word to be moved in the Holy Spirit. We need a response to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need every individual, every child, every teenager filled with the Holy Spirit, God. God. Forgive us our arrogance to think we can even do church without you, Lord. So, Father, we invite you in this place afresh and anew, God. We ask you, Lord, even now, would you reveal that truth to us? Those of us who are skeptic, those of us who maybe don't understand, those of us who are even fearful like I was at one point. God, I pray through the Holy Spirit, would you reveal us in all that truth, God, and help us to understand just believe, Lord. Father, we need you, God, in this city. 